Just a quick reminder that I do now have a second podcast called Track Nerds, where I have guests on to discuss travel, exercise, and movies and TV. Check it out. Okay, enjoy the show. So the movie is, I mean, when you break down the plot, it's actually pretty simple. Yes. This guy, Thor Heyerdahl, is the name of the character in the movie, and I think it's the guy's name in real life. Yep. He's on this uh, island at the beginning of the movie, um, and the indigenous people on the island tell him, you know, it's in it's in Polynesia, and they tell him, oh, yeah, you know, we came from the east. Which would be South America, yeah. Right, right. And so, and conventional wisdom at the time said that any, the people who had settled there probably came from Asia, you know, because it's closer, and it's, as the movie shows, really hard to get from South America to, you know, the Polynesian islands by a boat. Uh, but that's what they told him. And uh, I didn't catch. He said that he had, you know, like archaeological evidence of it. But I don't remember what that was or if they even showed it or if we were just supposed to take his word for it. I feel like the archaeologist stuff was pretty minimal, but they did have like some plants and stuff like certain pineapples that they said were, you know, basically South American and also in Polynesia. So how would that how they're trying to figure out how that made sense? Okay, but anyway, so he goes back to Norway after some years. You know, he basically makes it his life's goal to prove that the people on this Polynesian island came from South America and not from Asia. And he, to, in order to prove that it's possible, he wanted to build a raft like they would have used 1,500 years ago and sail it from South America to Polynesia. And right. so then that's basically the rest of the movie is him and his band of merry men <laughs> sailing on this this raft that is made in the style of a raft that's 1500 years old from South America to Polynesia. And then basically as soon as they get to the movie ends. Yeah. And that's, and that's basically it. So basically it's the drama of, are they going to do it? Of course you're kind of thinking like, I don't think they'd make this movie if they didn't get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, so that, that is, that is the gist of what happened. And I was kind of interested to see when I started doing the research then this was kind of a unique mix of what was true and what was changed. So not being super familiar with Polynesia or the history thereof, I think I just kind of also assumed everybody was from Southeast Asia and went into Polynesia, but not from any kind of having researched it standpoint. So when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, this is neat. Like the whole theory was that. And then this guy kind of turned the whole academic world on its head. And not so much. The movie implies that, but to this day, Thor uh, Heyerdahl's theories are not widely accepted. And yes, he proved it was possible to travel from South America to Polynesia on a raft, given the technology they had a thousand or fifteen hundred years ago. That doesn't mean that's what happened. So yes, it was possible, but it's not what happened because they because okay. they now have DNA evidence. Yeah. I... I was thinking kind of the same thing. <laughs> like, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, okay, like, even if they make it, it doesn't necessarily prove anything other than that it's possible. But there's a lot of stuff that's possible that's not how things historically happen. So that's why I was kind of confused then. Because I was like, well, he's, he claims to have all this other evidence that, like, convinced him that that was, you know, that South America was the origin of this people. It's all largely anecdotal, yeah. 
So no, but but, but it is very interesting. So uh, and we can kind of we're, as always we're going to jump all around here. But I I do think maybe it's probably worth talking about the legacy of Thor Heyerdahl here right at the start. So ultimately, no, his theories are not accepted in mainstream science, and he kind of just. <sighs> It's kind of like what we talk about with like politics in a lot of in a lot of ways today. He had an answer he wanted to get to, and by golly, he was going to figure out a way to get to the answer he wanted, which is of course not good science. And he basically right. chose to ignore the preponderance of evidence against his theory and did prove that his theory was possible, but it was ignoring all the other evidence. Now, in his defense, two big things. One, his efforts went a long way for bringing popular interest to these questions and this part of the world and and this area of research. And so he was a good advocate for the subject matter and deserves a lot of praise for that. And what the more modern evidence does show is while Polynesia was not colonized or populated exclusively by South Americans, there was overlap. So there is... Some South Americans did make it a thousand years ago and intermixed, or, or probably more recently than that. But at some point, they did intermix with the the Southeast Asian Polynesians, and there is some genetic crossover that the DNA evidence has proved. So they, while they did come from Southeast Asia, as mainstream science, you know, has believed for decades and decades, going back to you know this story, there was crossover that probably was not believed until. One, Thor showed that it was possible, and then two, the DNA evidence does does show not just South American DNA, but also even like some European DNA. Anyway, it's complicated. Thor was mostly wrong, but there was some people who did make it and intermixed with the population that did ultimately come from Southeast Asia. Make sense? Yes. So I do want to kind of then just talk about this area of the world in general. So this is just the South Pacific, as it is often called, and it's not an area that's super on my radar. I mean, we're kind of we're just kind of perfectly aware of Pacific Islanders, and beyond that, I don't really have a good uh, handle on what it is. So what I want to kind of talk about here is just again make a little quick little geography lesson. Basically, all the islands, but in the South Pacific between, say, Australia and. Mexico are in kind of different subgroups themselves. So Polynesia is kind of the ones that are most isolated and kind of out in the dead center of this Pacific Ocean. And then there's two clusters just to the west of that, Micronesia and uh, Melanesia, which is closer to Australia and includes like New Guinea. And I did have to look it up just now. Nisia is just from the Greek for islands. So Polynesia, many islands. Micronesia, small islands. Melanesia, I don't know what Mela means, but <laughs> something islands. <laughs> also then geographically too, the area of, Oce- uh, how do you say it, Oceania? Yeah. Is basically then the term for Australia, New Zealand, and then all these Nisias, Greek for islands, I'm just right. speaking Greek. Um, and so that's kind of all Oceania and... They're also small, even though there's just thousands of these islands, they're so small, they add up to still basically the smallest continent. Like, even when you include Australia, Oceania, and all these islands, it's still smaller uh, smaller than Antarctica. So it's just a very, very small land area uh, with about 40 million people total, too. And again, that's counting Australia even in that. So just not very sparsely populated, very kind of spread out little islands, but also kind of just this, I don't know, unique little spot of the world so 
other little in- inconsistencies with the movie. So that they're concerned that the these big balsa wood logs are going to basically vibrate just enough back and forth that it's going to cut their ropes. When in actuality, the opposite was true. They were worried about the ropes digging into the wood. See, that was another thing that I was like, <laughs> I was like, what are they talking about? I was like, how is a how is a balsa wood log going to snap a rope? I was like, wouldn't the rope just like rub away at the wet wood and wouldn't like the wood break? Yes. And that was more of an issue. And honestly, basically most of the drama on the boat was just invented because basically you don't have a movie otherwise though. Cause it's like, Hey, we should, we could, should sail from South America to Polynesia. Okay. The end, <laughs> like there's, right. there's no, yeah. basically it was a relatively uneventful trip. Which is probably, I mean, that's probably exactly what those guys were going for. <laughs> right. No, right. Which yeah, good for them. I mean, there was, I mean, they did encounter some sharks and stuff like they see in the, in the show, but again, there was no whole freak out and the guy, you know, shooting this, like, it was just everything that seemed drama, movie, like movie drama was just movie drama. And this trip itself was mostly uneventful, except at the end when they did have to deal with, uh, the, was it the coral reef that are kind of like the sharp rocks there? Or is that two, yeah. two separate things? Yeah. So basically the sharp rocks on the coast of this, whatever island they end up there at Polynesia and they kind of had to time it. And this was kind of, neat within the movie but again my research was kind of a letdown they're like okay well we'll anchor ourselves and wait till we get the biggest wave to kind of ride us over the sharp rocks to safety and they talk about in the movie like well obviously waves come in groups of 13 and every 13th wave will be the biggest i'm like oh my gosh is that a thing uh no no that's not a thing they made that up too. okay yeah i, I didn't buy that either <laughs> I, I i was pretty sure that that was some some movie uh made up movie stuff well, it, it does seem like it's a fairly common myth though i did see something online that talked about the idea that waves come in groups of threes or groups of, or odd numbers and, but again all that's just kind of non-scientific kind of mumbo jumbo so it's like things people kind of believe but there's there's no actual truth to it and, but but they did when they did arrive they did crash on those rocks and that's how they the, when the raft landed it did crash and then they were kind of just already there so th- that did happen and that raft, actually, you can go still see it today. It's now, they took it back to Norway, and it's it's at, there's the Kantiki Museum in Oslo, and you can actually go see the actual raft today, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat. And what the movie, I don't think it mentioned in the closing text there, because it, it kind of gives a summary of a lot of the people, but what it didn't mention is Thor kept doing this kind of stuff. So another big trip he made was from... He went from Africa to Barbados across the Atlantic Ocean to prove that was possible and made a completely different kind of boat boat using African technology from the time to prove that it was possible. So he, he was kind of an important guy, even if some of his theories were a bit misguided. He, he meant well and was passionate about what he did and did bring awareness to it and did prove the power of these ancient technologies in a way that was probably not considered realistic until he proved it was so even if the things probably didn't happen the way he hoped they had or wishes they had you still got to give him props for for what he was able to uh, accomplish right it it sounds like maybe his contributions to archaeology maybe weren't that substantial but you know obviously he's a very talented navigator and ship builder and probably, you know, because he is a Norwegian guy doing this stuff, probably is bringing a lot of European attention and uh, showing the, uh, you know, the, the ingenuity of ancient peoples from 
different places in the world that weren't Europe and kind of shining a light on that for other Europeans uh, is probably more important than anything he ever did archaeologically. Yes. And now two other important things that the movie leaves out here. One, okay, they do kind of show what seems to be a rocky marriage with his wife kind of being upset that he's going on these, you know, trips and not being home with his kids enough. And yeah, that's because that marriage didn't last. (laughs) And uh, he was actually married, it looks like at least three times. And the movie just kind of just glosses over all of that. I saw on the uh, on the Wikipedia page that there have been like multiple uh, recreations of the Contiki voyage, like over the years. Oh, other people have done the same thing. Yeah. Oh, and the what's the uh, that waterway they mentioned? That is real. the uh, The South Equatorial is kind of the ocean current they're trying to get to, and once they get to that, it's basically smooth sailing. That is accurate as far as oh, okay. it, it existing. Now, again, I don't know about their their specific struggles to get on it. But that is the exact actual current that you would try to get to that would take you to Polynesia there. So that, that, that is accurate. It looks like there have been a bunch of or a handful of Contiki-like voyages. So there was one in 1954, 1955, 56. Looks like, like throughout you know, one of the 70s, 2006, 2011, 2015. Oh, wow. You know, people building rafts, you know, in that style and then they'll start somewhere in South America and try and reach somewhere in the South Pacific. And yeah, it looks like a, a bunch of them have been successful too. Why? Well, why well, would hope that because I'm failing, <laughs> fa- failing means you drowned in the ocean. <laughs> right. Or, and I guess ended up in the Galapagos like they were worried about or back into South America. If you kind of just end up getting a Northern current that just kind of takes you back up the coast. Yeah. Well, and it looks like some of these people actually had like other support other than just, we're going to go and, you know, if we don't make it, we're going to die. Like, you know, one of these refs, you know, said, you know, started to fall apart. And so they tried to tow it with another boat, but then it ended up just like sinking. Yeah. And they also show his struggle to get resource. uh, But I did see somewhere that even like the U.S. Army donated a bunch of stuff to help him. So again, (laughs) more drama that was just kind of invented for the movie. Basically, it was mostly smooth sailing. It was just kind of all about the idea, but that's kind of hard to do as a movie or make a movie interesting if you're not having enough conflict, I guess. So another important thing that the movie kind of glosses over here is the reason specifically Norwegians or Scandinavians were involved with this subject. There's kind of some racial overtones to this. So one of the theories that uh, Heyerdahl found very fascinating was the South American legends of these tall white gods stories of humans but not quite humans that were again basically Scandinavian looking in South America that the Scandinav- that the uh, South Americans saw as gods and they were the ones that kind of maybe helped convince the original South Americans to sail west so it was not that there was a racist thing that was motivating Thor Heyerdahl but there was hey were there basically white people that were behind this a thousand years ago? So it was almost a little bit of a, I don't even know what you would call that, but the, the movie the movie probably rightly chose to just not get into all that. Yeah. I mean, plus because it'd be historically inaccurate because those people were obviously aliens. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, so that's... <laughs> oh, it was right that uh, uh, Heyerdahl had... Uh, 
drown or sorry <laughs> drowned sorry he, he <laughs> i'm gonna reset that one Heyerdahl had nearly drowned a couple of times when he was a kid and they kind of showed like the very first scene in the movie is him almost drowning as a kid and they kind of mentioned in the movie he can't swim and i don't know if he specifically couldn't swim but he wasn't good in the water for sure and it kind of had like a almost a phobia of it so also kind of more commendable that he was willing to tackle these voyages when he didn't like the water yeah. So uh, the the name Kantiki does just come from a Peruvian god. It's uh, just one of the versions of this god's name is Kantiki. And so they were just kind of naming it after the South American god that would have kind of either been the first person to supposedly go to Polynesia or inspired those who originally went to Polynesia. Oh, okay. Because that, that's something that I don't think they explain in the movie is why the raft was called Kantiki. Okay. Yeah I, yeah. I don't remember if they specifically discussed it or not. I do feel like a... Kindred spirit to Heyerdahl here would be like an Adam Savage from Mythbusters, where he's basically doing these elaborate construction projects to prove some theory or to even just address the question of some theory, regardless of what you think the answer might be. So I feel like, uh, you know, if Adam Savage had lived uh, half a century earlier, he would have been probably right on the raft with uh, Heyerdahl back in the day. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, that's a good comparison. I didn't even think of that, but. That sounds exactly right. And uh, this is kind of a, a side note, but do you watch his uh, his YouTube channel, Tested? Oh, actually, no, I haven't seen much. I, I've just listened to him on podcasts a couple of times, but I haven't actually seen much uh, video from him. He has a YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure it's called Tested, where he'll you know he it's like him now that he's not doing the MythBusters thing anymore. Right. He's just kind of like he has this like workshop. It's just just random stuff. Like he does a uh, Star Lord cosplay, custom Nerf guns, like you know, building all this stuff. And these videos are like half an hour long to an hour long, uh, but it's it's really good uh, background stuff. Or yeah. just you know, sit down for an hour and uh, and watch Adam Savage build stuff. And uh, kind of cool about YouTube is this is a channel with four and a half million subscribers, and I'm like, nope, hadn't heard of it, even though I've yeah, even though I already knew how Savage was. Okay, but again, I do think it's related to what we're talking about. And then the other channel that's uh, in the same ballpark is called Primitive Technology. Have you seen that channel? Yes. So again, another one with t- almost ten million subscribers, and this is just like a dude who goes out and makes stuff from scratch in the woods, and it's fascinating because i mean he's you know he's making mud huts and bows and arrows and you know clay furnaces and all this stuff from scratch just like i say his backyard i I don't know exactly where he goes to do this but it's fascinating because it is kind of you can see you know what humans were capable of doing well well before any kind of technology that that we would think and it's it almost feels important in a way to see like oh that's how you would do that with just stuff you could find in the forest. So yeah, primitive technology, tested by M. Savage, both uh, significant there. Uh, the one other note I have for content within the movie, and then I want to talk about the Oscar side of things here. Uh, the one line I wrote down that I really thought was funny when the, they are, uh, they're worried whether or not they're going to make it and, you know, where they are on their, on their charting. And the one guy, one of the character says, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. Just uh, have faith. And the guy says, Oh, I have faith. The problem is I also have a sextant. Yes, <laughs> I kind of chuckled a little bit when I saw that, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I've known forever what sextants kind of are and what that they're always on boats and they kind of use them as navigational tools. But beyond that, I really actually had no idea what a sextant did. I just kind of knew it was a boat thing. And so my two two word summary 
of what a sextant is. Uh, it's just a sky protractor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All you're doing is like measuring the angles. Like basically, I know if I'm facing, you know, exactly, not just northeast, but I'm, you know, facing a specific direction, and then I can look at the exact angle from the horizon to the sun, the moon, a star, and then basically I can use that to determine my exact heading on the charts. So sky protractor. Nice. Yeah, I, I never. I mean, I know what I know what one looks like. You know, right, I, right. I never have, and I know. Yeah, I know that you use it somehow to navigate by the stars, but I never, I never knew that that's how it worked. Okay, so, and uh, you know, I think Sky Protractor is just a more politically correct name, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's easier to say, and it's you know more concise. More people are going to understand that, right? And middle schoolers don't giggle. Yeah. Okay, so what was also really cool, so within the movie. They're carrying around this camera and always trying to grab the camera, and they're kind of filming themselves on this trip. Well, that is accurate, and the footage they filmed during this voyage, they put together in a documentary that won the Oscar for Best Documentary. So there's a doc- the documentary from the 50s that won the Oscar called Kantiki is the footage that we see them filming in this movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I, like, I don't think this movie shows the actual footage. But the footage the guys actually took on this voyage was then compiled into an Oscar-winning documentary. So Thor Heyerdahl is an Oscar-winning director. Okay. I knew that there was a documentary made. I thought that it was just, I guess I, I didn't even look into it, but I thought that it was just a documentary like made about these guys after the fact. I didn't realize that it was. And that's what I assumed as well, too. Right. And then when I saw the camera, I even wrote the question to myself during the movie. I was like, oh, wait, is this the documentary? And yeah, sure enough. The writer-director of the Kantiki documentary came out in 1950, directed by Thor Heyerdahl. Pretty cool, too, that this guy we've been talking about this whole time is, is an Oscar-winning director for the yeah. documentary of his own voyage here. So, pretty cool. And then, oh, and then, the, and then the movie we watched from 2012 was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards. But I was so confused because the movie I watched was in English. Was yours? Yes. Okay. So, what they did... Oh, so I watched this on Amazon and again, they'll have a little uh, like trivia stuff that pops up and it said something about they filmed like an English version and a Norwegian version simultaneously. Like they would shoot one shot or shoot one scene, you know, they'd shoot yes. it in English and then shoot it in, in Norwegian because they were trying to save money. But they there's like two different versions of the movie, basically. Correct. And I didn't realize that till after the fact. But yeah, basically, it'd be literally like, all right, film the scene. Okay, cut. Okay, reset. Same scene, this time in English. And so we saw the English version. I watched it on Netflix. I didn't actually see an option to watch it in another language. But yes, there'd be a Norwegian version out there as well. And then that was the film that was nominated for Best Foreign Film for the Oscar. And as a movie, though, like, it's solid. But I wasn't actually overly impressed with this as a movie. I just thought it was kind of simplistic and kind of, I don't know, you feel like you got these six guys on the raft and you don't really get to know any of them. Everyone's just kind of a, everyone seems fairly two-dimensional. Thor has a little bit of depth. And like I said, it's like there's some guys, like I couldn't even begin to tell you what their names are or where they came from. They're just on the boat with him. And I feel like right. there's your story. There's no real like, you know, character development or growth for any of them. Right. I mean, even Thor, you know, they start off the movie and he's like, I'm pretty sure that uh, that South Americans were the first people to settle, you know, here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you with this boat, we can make it. 
And then he gets to South America and he's like, yep, we're going to get this boat. And we're going to make it. And then they're on the boat and, you know, <laughs> things look rough. And he's like, we're going to make it, guys. And then they make it. And he's like, see, we, we made it. That, that's basically about it. Right. So he, he has he has no real arc other than I want to do a thing. Yay, I did right. the thing and had exactly. no significant challenges or shattering of my beliefs along the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even though yeah. I was wrong. And like half my crew almost got eaten by sharks. Right, which didn't actually <laughs> happen. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, but it was still worth watching. It was interesting to see the theory and everything. One thing that is interesting about Polynesia is uh, I know that you're a uh, fan of the CGP Grey YouTube channel. Yes. And... Uh, the South Pacific is like a treasure trove of unique and interesting treaties and borders and oh, ways that okay. countries control those islands. Yes, yes, which is definitely something he nerds out about. At the Olympics, doesn't Micronesia kind of represent itself as like the collection of Micronesia? Or it's, well, how does that work? There's a uh, the Federated States of Micronesia. Okay. Which is not in the entirety of Micronesia. It looks like, okay, so Federated States of Micronesia, also known simply as Micronesia, it's an independent republic associated with the United States. Oh, right, because the, right, the other ones are like Guam and the Marshall Islands that are separate from the Federated States of Micronesia. Okay. Right, which are all still part of Micronesia, but the right. Federated States are a bunch of smaller islands okay. there. Okay, okay. Just like you have the United States of America, but that doesn't include Canada. Sure. Yeah, okay. At time of recording... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we were allowed to talk about the pending invasion of Canada. <laughs> I've said too much. Yeah, so I think we're uh, good to wrap up on Kantiki here. <laughs> okay, so yes, thanks for listening to our episode from uh, the South Pacific. And next week, we will stay in the 1940s and have a very long tale about Mohandas Gandhi. Gandhi.